Hello, everyone, and welcome to the I Get Buckets podcast. I'm your host, Simon, as always, and it's a pleasure to hear that music again. It's been a long time between drinks and between podcasts, and that's because we've been busy in the weeds of the fantasy season, and regular season is now over. It's playoff time, so there's still, you know, the meat and bones and the weeks that are the most important out of whole season still to come. A lot of um, dreams yet to be dashed um, as we go into the final four teams for the Cougars League, looking to crown a champion for 2023. But if we're talking about four teams that are still got their 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 hopes alive, then that means the rest of us have all had our, um, I guess reasons to be in this league wanting to get the championship trophy those those thoughts and all of the expectations on season have been dashed we're already looking forward to next year on draft night to try to get redemption and and move forward um but it's going to be nice to look at who kind of uh, gets to the season's finish line and, and is crowned champion for 2023. And we'll get there at some point and there'll be a lot of things to talk about. But uh, the reasons for these podcasts and a bit of an update is because we're going to do an end of season review. We're going to be looking at the teams that have finished the bottom all the way up until, you know, every team, I guess, when we get through it. But this time we're going to be looking at, I guess, the teams that really didn't have the best seasons and where it went wrong, where it went right, were there some of the things that could have been changed or maybe just luck or injury was kind of taken away from them at an early point in the season and they were never able to recover, especially given the kind of bunching up of teams that we saw, um, you know, the fact that there were three wins separating top all the way down to um, seventh and even eighth position, I think it was in the end. So that's how close it was. If you really um, off kind of from the start, it was it was very hard to kind of claw your way back in without pulling off a, a huge win streak. And I think one of the teams we'll talk about on this one kind of did his best um, to do that towards the end of the season, but. You just can't get um, up if, if you don't get out of the blocks on fire. So, yeah, we're going to see how quickly we can go through some of these teams. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on every team, um, but we'll see kind of where we go with a few of them. And I think this podcast will be hoping to start with a couple of teams um, and maybe if we've got time, head into another. But we're going to go, obviously, from the bottom up, reviewing every season, starting with Day to Davis. So that was team coached by Jake. Uh, finishing the season with three wins and 15 losses. Not the season that he had hoped for coming into it, um, but we'll kind of go through everything that happened and and kind of talk to it, and I hope everyone gets a kick out of these reviews, and I'm sure that as we go up, given just the, the sense of teams that are going to um, be winning more games than the ones we talked about at the start, there's going to be a lot more nice things to say, but we won't go um, too hard. You know, I think at the time when Jake drafted, there was a lot of, uh, you know, talked about, you know, picking a team that was perennially injured or already injured and kind of where it was from going there. So I think it started off, I think he pulled off a, a big win early, but things kind of really uh, fell apart and he was able to add to his tally late, I guess, um, only really because Dale left a few on the bench. So maybe it evens it out because there was one win that he definitely left on the bench against MJ uh, early in the season when I think um, Anthony Davis and potentially Rudy Gobert or maybe even Joel Embiid, I think it was, were, were on the bench for about 100 points on a, a, a day where 
he lost by 80. So it was always um, a rough one when that happens. Not anyone to blame but yourself, but um, that's how it works. Sometimes it's hard with the early games and, and things going on. We get it all. But um, I guess 3 to 15 seems right then if you may have got one win um, with Bench and then got left one on the bench as well. So it all adds up in the wash. Um, what I do want to say is, you know, despite a lot of the, you know, the stuff about injury and everything, he started off the draft, you know, not too bad. Obviously, Joel Embiid has had that injury tag for a long time, but he he wasn't really, um, you know, <laughs> by far, he was not the problem. Another huge, huge season. We've spoken too much length about the top four players that were in the draft, but, you know, Joel Embiid fits nicely in that bracket, finished with an average of 40.7, as we're talking right now. Um, and then the fact that he really was able to stay on the court as, as, as much as, you know, you'd hope from a player of his stature um, going through. So in total points, he finished, as we're taking, talking now, he's seventh. So, you know, third highest average and um, seventh total point scored is is amazing and what you can bank on from the start. So that's not really went wrong. Rudy Gobert is someone that, you know, has been historically just so bankable for his average and consistency um, in Utah to always kind of be someone you get in the mid to second round but finishes really high on your, your points total. This is kind of what didn't happen for him this year. So um, when we kind of look at the points total, Rudy Gobert's really not in um, – he's on the back end of the 50 here. So he's around the 40 mark in total points scored. Um, his average of you know 25, I think it was, is not something – he would have expected or wanted from from his caliber in the round two. And this was always the risk of of him going to a new environment. You'd think his sort of game kind of translates. So that shouldn't have been the problem. But, you know, there's elements here on, on comfortability and, and different kind of factors with the team that, um, you know, always throw up different things. The fact that Towns has been out, you'd think that things would be okay as, as, as much to kind of push that up. But he just really hasn't been able to, to give you the the thing that you'd want from someone who got, you know, picked in between LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton um, and even before the likes of Damian Lillard, who we'll get to very soon on this podcast. But, you know, I think it's, an, it's a hard one with Anthony Davis in his pick. He's got someone who finished, I think it was fifth in the averages all up, but, you know, couldn't keep on the court as much as you'd hope. But, I mean, he scored so much to the point that, you know, he even... He finishes higher than a lot of plays that you'd think in terms of total points. So, you know, your likes of Jalen Brown and James Harvin and Harden, Jimmy Butler, DeJounte Murray as well, were all players who scored less over the season to date so far than Anthony Davis. Um, I think the fact that you were able to get him in round three instead of round two is really, really um, handy for him and not the problem of kind of where all the season went wrong, where kind of the season went wrong and in a big way, unfortunately, both in fantasy and in real life for the Nets (laughs) is with Ben Simmons at pick 37 here in round four. So I do think Ben Simmons... And I think maybe we speak to that this was the early end of where he, he should have gone at fantasy. But I don't think that they – like I do think there are a lot of teams that will be looking at risking um, Ben Simmons not too long after kind of where he taken him just based on the fact that he was coming into the season healthy. There was the expectations of Brooklyn given the team that they had, the way that you know he didn't need to shoot. He could kind of fit in and assimilate and the counting numbers was something that we really felt – excited for but whether 
he just he's broken not just mentally but physically now like he's been missing games with back and ankle and knee he you never know if he's going to play more than you know four or five games in a row um the minutes kind of on, on where he was being played it was really hard to kind of watch and there was a real kind of glimpses of hope <laughs> in small pockets that you know Ben Simmons was coming back to 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 what um, we'd hoped for him, and even then, the bar was quite low. But you know, he just is doesn't want to shoot at all. The gimmies, I feel bad, you know, watching because some of them, when he seemed to assert himself, you know, he was just getting a little bit of um, you know bad luck with some of the the roles. But it just doesn't seem like from the outside looking in, like where's the kind of um, training focus points on him kind of, you know, getting better in any single way or working on his health, um, both mentally and physically, it just seems broken. And, you know, I keep telling people like people are allergic to trade at some point and it's a good thing for me because I try to get Ben Simmons a couple of times and, um, I guess Jake wouldn't budge. And, um, there was a reasons were, were, you know, clear because, there was a reason why I wanted him because he had started to hit a, a green patch a little bit or was steering into what could have been a, a more of a green patch fantasy-wise. But obviously that fell apart and the fact that you've taken him at pick four or your round four, you know, to get him on an average of kind of 17 for the season um, and the fact that he just really isn't out there, it's just not something you can bank on at all and really kind of throws apart, you know, the... The, the season for you a little bit, you know, you're one pick after a Donovan Mitchell who you know, has a huge season and your picks before, you know, are like the Darren Fox goes four picks later, which, you know, is a, a bedrock for a team and you, you're getting essentially close to a zero over the season. So it's a really hard pill to swallow. But when you look up and down um, Jake's roster, it kind of really starts there in terms of where I want to point the finger. Um, it's interesting going through all the kind of teams um, – you know, basically everyone has a balance of about five of their um, rosters have been turned from draft equity into free agency picks. Um, I think, you know, going up and down the list, there's a lot of teams who, who were able to strike at least with one player in terms of free agency. Um, Jake really didn't get that capital in. You know, he finishes with the likes of Tyus Jones and Marcus Morris Sr. and Kenyon Martin Jr., that aren't really, you know, exciting. Emmanuel Kukli is a huge excitement kind of piece now, but it wasn't something that was um, there for a lot of the season and really has only kind of turned into, uh, you know, you're hearing you talk about uh, six-man-of-the-year credentials like really in the last three or four weeks, and and that obviously wasn't enough to kind of really help uh, Jake at all in the season. So while that one stands out as a nice free agency pick, um, if you were, you know, still in the, the frame at the moment, um, he hasn't really added anything from free agency, um, which is a shame, um, something that, the you know, the winning teams really do. And you'll be able to see that as we go down through the list. Um, I mean, the Christian Wood one, I still think is the right time for him to pick him. He, he's, his average is healthy, but there's just been weird things with, with Dallas and, and Jason Kidd and the, um, the want to kind of play him in crunch time and let him kind of Cook statistically, um, so I think he still, you know, gives you enough that that's 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 twenty three average in in round five is something that you really hang your hat on and you take. Um, it's just he he's one that if you, you would he's going to slip, I think next year in draft just because of you know the the thought of the perception of how he's kind of helped 
Dallas or, or not helped or played. But when you look at him statistically and his average, you know, round six is, is fine for him here. Malcolm Brogdon was a huge kind of um, pick that got shattered on, I think, a little bit. But I think he's kind of played out in the wash that he hasn't been amazing fantasy-wise, but round seven's, you know, fine for him here. That's not kind of where it went. Michael Porter Jr., the injury thing kind of has always been a thing with him, and it came up and reared its ugly head for a while, and I need to turn my email alerts off as we go through. But um, I think he has played himself into being okay, but at round eight, again, it's a capital early that really... um, throws you off being able to be consistently competitive on some of the things if you're not getting enough from from the likes of a a Michael Porter Jr. at this stage in the draft and quickly going through Jeremy Grant I think at pick what 84 here this is you know one of his better picks I think he finished just in the top 50 for total points scored so you know yeah it is bang on 50 as of now so that's a really kind of nice pick there's nothing wrong with that one of his better ones I would say for sure um it's just again Mitchell Robertson he wasn't be able to stay on the court a lot of the time um and then you kind of go into the back end and there's really not too much value like other um other teams have got Karis Levert, there was always worries about his role outside of scoring consistently in Cleveland and kind of really hasn't come together as a fantasy asset. John Wall, I think at the time I said it's worth a flyer, I guess, especially late, but he was a zero. He gave you nothing. Um, James Wiseman, (laughs) that's unfortunate, gave you absolutely nothing. I thought after preseason he had something there. I think coach was right to kind of Risk it, but that's kind of where it goes. We all know what happened to James Wiseman in terms of him getting to the G League. He was an absolute zero, had to be dropped. Rui Hachimura, I think there was heaps of other players that he could have invested in, and it was kind of a misread there. We spoke about that. And then, unfortunately, Quinton Grimes, as much as kind of he's handy on D and kind of has played himself into a role, he needed to be dropped early because he just wasn't giving you the value that you needed from a player. His average of 12.3 over across the season um, doesn't fit into a team um, who should be, you know, if they're, they're 15 top players. Like, I know he was he was drafted late, so he doesn't hurt you that much if you just drop him and there was just heaps more there to, to kind of go in. So I think maybe he was a bit of a homer pick, a favorite that he wanted to, to have on his team, and, and that's fine. But, I mean, looking at the record here, of 3 of 15, you know, part of the reason is you, you do carry these guys too far. Um, I think that's just kind of really where we are with um, with Jake this season. Unfortunately, um, it kind of you know spelt trouble you know over the first you know five six seven rounds, and he couldn't get into it. And when he did show to start to show some promise, um, especially when Anthony Davis was on that kind of two to three week tear, where people were talking MVP, you know his injury kind of really stopped any momentum from him moving forward to be. As, as competitive as he'd hoped and really when we saw other teams really pick up pace towards the end of the season he was the one that really didn't um, get any speed or traction at all which is unfortunate he did get a bit of a scalp um, late in Dale um, but other than that it was a sacco season um, to forget so he'll be hopefully you know back next season dispensing drinks and 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 thinking about where he can kind of put his um the best foot forward for for a winning season potentially next year or an improvement um obviously aiming back for playoffs so yeah um not much more to say always kind of um 
love you, Jake, having you in there. I know you get a kick out of the podcast, and um, this will be this will be just something to build on. <laughs> um, but we can go through to um, our ninth place to finish. So we'll get up uh, Jesse's team. So Dame Gianna, spell your name. A team that finished six and twelve in the end was looking super grim at the start. Um, one and seven start potentially, maybe even it was zero six at some point. The big thing here is that the season was off the rails before it started. Um, because we're going to get to his momentum late, and there was reasons for it. Um, to kind of point at his team and say, "Oh, I'm not surprised that this team got it together in the way that they were able to, you know, win." five, I think, games on the back end there where he really kind of played, um, I guess, spoiler for a lot of teams, including myself, um, in terms of within such a bunched kind of league in, in finish between, you know, obviously third place down to, to eighth place. Um, your ninth place finish really kind of beat a lot of those teams that were one win away from a double chance or even playoffs or or kind of getting their footing. And the reason was because his team's actually really good in terms of depth at the top. The problem was, you know, you look at his team now and he's got five um, guys that have been added in free agency, but that didn't kind of happen at the start. So I want to save his first five, um, I guess, for for later because it's his back five that really kind of killed him. And we always kind of talk about Jesse teams in like um, a manner where he's a lot more happy to kind of hold on and trust his team and not use his free agency picks. And sometimes I think that has been great and sometimes it, it's been questionable. But the track record of, of him kind of being successful in the last six years holds up that he can kind of, you know, take this strategy in and, and bank on it. You know, we've got three coaches who have had success twice over the, the six years and, and Jesse's one of them. Um, but the problem here was he was rolling out guys who he picked in the last, you know, few rounds who were basically a nothing and they're not on their IR, they're, they're playing and he was, you know, putting himself in a position where he's three plays down almost against against some of the teams and he was getting rolled and he needed to, to act a lot quicker um, because players like JaVale McGee um, in his last pick was was a nothing from the start and, and couldn't kind of been... Uh, couldn't be rectified by just kind of waiting it out, I think. Um, and then a pick that I was super critical of at the time in, in Rashawn Holmes in his second last pick at 139. I think there was, uh, you know, always something that the coach could do was was take my, you know, feedback with a grain of salt and actually see what happens and then kind of read the tea leaves. And if he's, I'm, you know, obviously wrong most of the time, if not half of the time or whatever it is. But um, there, there wasn't a role for him. It, it seemed evident really early that it wasn't going to translate into, into one and he needed to be dropped early. Um, he was an absolute zero that was being carried um, there. And then where it kind of really hurt you, I know he was IRable, but, you know, Jonathan Isaac basically sat on his team the whole, whole season and was a, a zero outside of, you know, contributing and he's come back for a couple of weeks. Um, even though he was sitting there, like a lot of these teams who are being a lot more, um, I guess, 
you know, up to date and, and, and wanting to swing different things and using people to, to rotate through the IR and have the sorts. You know, the fact that he was drafted around 11 is way too early anyway. And then kind of he sat there taking up a spot for the whole time, which really was a bit rough um, for him, especially, you know, when you had the likes of Victor Oladipo, who was also taken, you know, um, around later, who didn't play for a considerable, you know, moment at the start. So not only had you these players just kind of not contributing um, and getting, you know, DMPs or, you know, playing off the bench five, six minutes and, and not doing anything is that your IR was already kind of full from the get-go with guys that they're a hard drop because you invested kind of draft capital in them. Um, but, you know, the fact that Victor Oladipo averaged 13.2 on the season and was injured so much was another player that it really felt if you made a decision early to go in a different direction, you could have been a more, you know, more competitive early. So that's where the kind of season fell apart. And then there's a clear distinction on, on where it went right. And that's because once he started to rectify these mistakes um, and pull the trigger on it, he started winning because his first five picks are awesome. I mean, I always kind of said, you know, and this has been a bit of a, a, a difference because usually a Jokic and an Antetokounmpo are backbones of teams that lead them to playoffs. This year, you know, for the first time, I think, in a while in terms of these two plays being the, the ultimate guys, they're both not on teams that are in playoffs. Even if you look at the four that we keep talking about, three of them, um, Luka Doncic is the only exception, um, are, are not on teams that are um, in playoffs. But, you know, this this was no fault to, to, to him drafting at the top. You know, Giannis was amazing once again. I think he finished second average and it'll be right up there in total as well. Um, and then, obviously, the pain of kind of having to wait to the end. He's absolutely nailed his pick that I was critical of um, in round two of Damian Lillard. So, obviously, when I get back to things that I um, are right or wrong on the Rashawn Holmes, you know, super critical, needed to get you know, moved on very quickly. Um, didn't respond to that, but I was critical of Damian Lillard based on the season and he had based on the injury, based on where I think his trajectory was and, and what his capability was with the Portland team that felt underwhelming, you know, comes down and averages a 34.4 this season as, you know, we're speaking now. So this is something that really is good for, and we'll pull it up um, in terms of the average Um makes him a top 10 player in the league, just. So, I mean, the fact that you've got him at, at 19 here is just a huge, huge win and, and something that really led his his team in the back end of the season. And we can quickly kind of go through some of the other ones because Paul George, as his next pick, was averaging 27. He was amazing all season. It's kind of well-documented, maybe, depending if you're a fan of the show or not, <laughs> that I was... Um, Quite happy to say that Kyrie Irving was his best pick in round four. It got him late in round four, pick 39. He averages 30.5, which kind of gives a little bit of credibility or, or backs up the, the call because he was really, really good for the season. But, I mean, everyone knows how touch and go that was in terms of him potentially not even being with the team for a part of or all of the season. You know, he's suspended and now he's obviously been traded at the back end. Um, for the deadline, but overall, when you kind of look at his stats of what he kind of brought to the team, he's a you know top twenty average, and um, points total might even tell a story where he was actually pretty good for that as well. Um, 
we'll quickly kind of have a look, but I feel like he comfortably kind of fits in. Yeah, he's about uh, 35 on total. So I think, you know, to get him at 39 and have him a top 20 average and 35 in total points is, is justification with the roller coaster that ever is fucking Kyrie Irving. But in a fantasy perspective, he adds to what was a huge block of, of good kind of players. And and the critical one potentially from a few people was your Chris Stapps Posingas in round five at 42. Chris Stapps, if you sneaky like look at him, you'd forget how um, good he's been this season. So he's been better than Donovan Mitchell in total points. He's been better than um, Anthony Davis and then Tyrese Halliburton. All these guys you think potentially not so much. Um, he's been, oh, yeah, his average is you know always kind of good, but he's healthy, he's on the floor. Um, no, no, he scored a lot this year, and that was on top of his average of twenty nine point six, which is a you know a little bit better average than Bam. It's better than Lowry. It's better than Trey Young. It's better than Devin Booker. These are the quality of players that he was at. I think he nailed the pick. It was a huge part of him being competitive on the back end. Um, unfortunately, the the real kind of juxtaposition of his top five to his back five is because kind of where it all went wrong, especially early. Um, I think his mid-rounds, you can have a bit of, you know, critical. I think Jamal Murray was early given the injury and he's been making his way into the season, but it doesn't kill you because he's, he's pushed his average up all right um, and just quickly kind of going through. The, Chris Middleton one is a, a super bummer for him. Um, he's basically been a nothing this season, someone you would have drafted at this point thinking maybe he could have, you know, like a 22 average. Basically, that's what he's been the last few years. He averages 15.7. He barely plays, you know, in the first half of the season. Still kind of getting into it. Um, based on everything I said, he's, he's another huge reason on, on why things went wrong um, and really ate up an IR slot early, you know, if we're, we're looking at Jonathan Isaac and Chris Middleton and, and Victor Oladipo immediately um, filling your IR does just really hurt you with some of the other um, players that just 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 weren't getting it done. I think Jaden Ivey was a a reasonable kind of play at the time, and I still think it's a it's a good pick a good pick that you know going into to playoffs now it would be a handy kind of um, guy to have. He probably doesn't hit the heights that you did want, but I think he was he was really good. What kind of hurt you a little bit is probably the Dejounte Hunter um, pick. Um, as much as people wanted to shit on it, I was happy to defend it a little bit, but it didn't come on. But you know, the Clay Thompson one balances that out as a really good pick. Pick ten. Um, Clay Thompson is one of those guys that you know we all know he goes off and he can change weeks for you in matchups, and he's been really, really, really good in the last kind of couple of weeks in consistency. So, um, yeah, there's not much to say about that one. It's just kind of really uh, a tale of two halves. Um, for for Jesse and it's it really don't kind of need me to kind of pick up on it because it was quite evident just going um, up and down the roster but yeah um, making good time so let's kind of kick on actually I'm gonna go straight into the next team um, and that were officially by the standings I think um, did Dale jump doves in the end he did it's a nine both teams are nine and nine. Um, 
three, one of three, I guess. The the other three that all missed playoffs all finished nine and nine, and it came down to percentage, um, as we've well documented at this point. But I guess let's look at um, Dobes then, because he was an interesting one that kind of got out of the blocks really quickly and then kind of fell apart and injuries had a lot to kind of say about that one. And then it got to a point where it was like five weeks out of the end. It's like, you need to win everything to, to make playoffs. And it was a huge long shot. And he got basically most of the way there in terms of winning four. I think it was out of those five and, and falling kind of at the, the end. But overall, he was one of the teams that I think I walked out of the, um, the drafts thinking that it was going to be really competitive. And maybe this was the, the season where he, um, he takes that next step. Um, it's funny, like usually there's one or two a season of like, you know, top round, you know, five, round six kind of players in that realm who have, you know, season-ending injuries. I know injuries have been a huge thing, but as far as season-ending um, and happening earlier in the season, we only really had the one big one this year. Usually there's more than that. And Cade Cunningham was the guy Really unfortunate because Cade was something someone who identified as potentially being a big part of, of his season and his success to kind of lose a player that you drafted at 32 um, very early in the season is something that's really hard to come back from. So I think if you want to point to to things in in, in why Dobes and only really missed out of, by playoffs by um, percentage and a win in the end, but it got close, um, you know, that's a big part of it. You know, I think, again, he has six players, I guess, he went, he dipped in for free agency. Um, he, he nailed a couple of those in terms of um, Boyan Bogdanovic. That was the big one, I think, got taken before even a game got picked. And he was obviously, you know, really, really good for him and kind of propped up a lot of what he did for the whole season, averaging 21. So when you get someone who averages over 20 from the free agency, and they can do that across across a whole season. Um, it's really big for you. I know Derek White, probably people had a, um, a rough taste in their mouth after some of the playoff misses, um, you know, and where the kind of the minutes were going to come. But he was someone that averaged 8 or 16.7 of the season, but that kind of doesn't picture where he was in terms of when he was added um, and a couple of the weeks that he was really important for. Um but yeah, I think going going through the draft, LeBron James averages what he does. You know, again, I think he finished uh, six in average. So that's how good um, he's been. Thirty five point six. Looking at what he did last, he was like, "Oh, can he replicate it?" If you look purely on average, you know, he does. Um, so justifies a lot of the. Um, stock in him when you look at total obviously he kind of slips more to your your 20 um, player and that's when I think some of the criticisms of wanting him more in the early second round to the first is there but I mean I think we're clutching at straws here I think LeBron James and Kevin Durant were both really good pickups for him I know the Durant injury kind of sucks but you know he averaged a 35 and is a again uh, in terms of average you get two players who are in the top seven um, in terms of, of, of the best players uh, in the in the league and you've got two of them. So 
I mean, I think injuries kind of suck, but the, the when the kind of team faltered and went wrong, it wasn't really when Durant was um, hurt. Things kind of picked up pace when, when he was on the IR. So it is a bit of a shame and a what if of if he could have been back healthier a little bit earlier. Did it give him a little bit more points and maybe that one last win at the end to get him into playoffs? And then who knows because um, you're healthy and looking. So there's a lot of questions and what ifs, but... I think you can point to, to Duran and say, well, he went early in the second round because, of course, he was going to get injured. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think the way you look at it with the knees, um, it's still a little bit accidentally, but like I, I, I would I'd bank on this still being you know a pick that I'd take 100 times over um, if he's there in round, early round two. Um, so I think you know he's done really well from that where we point at you know some of the issues Anthony Edwards was a weird one early, but you know he ends up being a home run in terms of total points scored for um, the team getting to the end. So as much as you know he's average at twenty seven, is means he was kind of picked at the the right spot. Um, I think there's a strong argument to say it's even higher that given that he finished tenth um, at the moment in total points scored. So. That's 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 really actually um, a really good pick. He, he finishes as his best player in terms of points scored um, because he was healthy and able to stay on the court and shook up some of the early criticisms and um, up and down playing his game to to working way in this season. Um, one to kind of watch, I think, next year in terms of where he goes. It'd be very interesting. Um, Kate Cunningham, we've talked about the Jakob Pertle one is funny because I think people are worried that he gets traded and then. Spurs move on, and then there's a different role for him. But he lands at um, <laughs> he lands at Toronto, and bloody only three games in, he's got a um, a 48 in fantasy. So um, things worked out pretty well for Pirtle. There's two years in a row he's had him, and two years in a row he's been absolutely instrumental for him, building off last year to kind of have a very similar average. I think 23.6 this season. I think feels maybe a little bit higher on what he got last, but right in the wheelhouse for what I think you'd expect. Um, Fred Van Vliet is being very well documented this season of being a bit down. Um, he's another one that you kind of look at his average and go, oh, it doesn't really match um, the criticisms. And that's where the, um, the I guess, the, the distance on, on these worlds kind of differ because, you know, he averages 24 for the season, super healthy in terms of someone that you, you pick in round six. Um but yeah, I think it was it was one of ones you were happy to kind of take because he slipped. But then it got really obvious, I think, early. Like, oh, well, this is why he slipped because he hasn't been playing well. Um, but he really kind of worked his way into it. So he's not the problem. Um, they're really not like, you know, lots of problems. The, the difference between, um, you know, Dobes' team and, and finishing and, and a team that finished third is, you know, basically one win. So we're not going to be able to point out kind of heaps of things, but if we kind of break down it, um, these are the, you know, the what ifs and stuff like that. John Collins, really people did want to touch. And um, I think he, he's kind of the opposite of, of Fred Van Vliet. If you, you know, get small samples or kind of watch things you're like, oh, wow, John Collins, like everyone keeps talking him down. He's always on the trade block, but he's a great, you know, important part. And the statistics are really good, but you look deeper and you're like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> I mean, um, what is it? Dobes might have known because he very knew him off cost the season, but he's super inconsistent. 18.6. Um, he's been rough to own recently. So 
Um, he wouldn't have had a very a good first week of finals. That was it for sure. I think it's like 40-something points across 40 games. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the Tyrese Ty- Maxey thing was not as much as a home run, I think, because I was seeing from rooftops what a you know good pick, best pick of the draft is. It started to look that way early, and it's starting to, to look that way kind of now as he's getting into it. But, obviously, there was an injury that kind of derailed stuff. Um, when he came back, the Sixers were a little bit of you know a spot on, on working things out, and you know they've brought Melton in and kind of looking at a few different roles for for guys where he started coming off the bench and um, how do we get the ball in his hands again? And there's all the different things that end up making it not as much of an impact as I thought it would. Um, again, another interesting one for this season to track as we go into playoffs, but even for next season, you know, averages twenty over the season at this point. I mean, that's really good for round nine, but it was looking like it was going to be a lot higher early. So I think um, you could be frustrated if you're Dobes to say, you know, that was a pick that I made that was really good and everyone liked and was supposed to be better. Um, But I mean, one that he nailed was JJJ. Um, So we do Triple J, Mr. Fake Block, average 24.5. The health is always a bit of a thing, but I think he's been quite consistent, especially late in the season, um, to really... You know, build a case that you know this is a guy that's not going to go outside of um, the hundred ever again for the next few years if he's healthy. He went at ninety two, so he's on that back end. But you know, that that that, that was a, a big part of him being um, really uh, competitive and, and winning games down the end. Mikael Bridges, um, obviously, everything kind of changes when he gets traded to Brooklyn. But in terms of his output for his season. He, he started to kind of get a lot more of a role when Devin Booker was out offensively. 22.5 average is is great and, and someone who would, would have potentially been a game changer um, if he was on a, a playoff list right now. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, he didn't kind of scrape in. And, you know, Will Barton, I think I said, was whatever. Alonzo Ball was always going to be a rough one. A mistake there doesn't hurt you. Alex Caruso at the end up. So... Um, very quickly for for those players, another what if. There's going to be a lot of what ifs for for the next few teams that we talk about. But I guess for now, um, we're all in the same position of moving towards towards next year and kind of analyzing the mistakes and tracking the players and, and seeing where we can go go one step better. I know MJ. We said you know there's only one team change from from the playoffs last year, so. Um, there'll be a lot of teams, myself included, down the bottom that um, have been there for a little bit now, were not change. So Dobes was obviously the one that fell out um, with with Adam kind of coming in, but I think he'll be wanting to get there as, as quick as possible, obviously, um, for, for next season. So um, making good time. We'll do – this was all kind of off the top, so it's just fun to kind of get some thoughts down and, and get something out there for, for us as we move into um, what it's all about in the last kind of three weeks here before we name a Cougar champion. So this is just some some content to keep us all ticking and engaged and, and up with everything, and I'm really excited to kind of keep tracking all of the moves and the players and the um, – the things going here so uh, a big um good luck to the four teams left um now and we'll be we'll be watching very closely and keenly on how it finishes but thanks uh for tuning in guys and we'll be doing a couple at least a couple more of these depending on how quick we review teams but 
and how much time I've got to squeeze him in while my emails are going off. But um, it's been a pleasure again, guys, and um, we'll talk soon. Love you all.